0: welcome to the way of the womb podcast my name is beck i'm your host and i'm a trauma-informed holistic birth and doula womb worker and earth lover i am here to support you and all womb owners whether that's through your monthly cycles and navigating the everyday, or whether that's to support your journey through the rite of passage of pregnancy and birth my passion is to support souls to come home to themselves so you can connect back to your innate power, your intuition and the wisdom of your body, so you can feel empowered and live your truth. On this platform, we will be discussing periods, pregnancy, plant medicine, birth, trauma, mental health, spirituality, earth to body connection and everything in between. This is a place for conscious souls to gather so that together we can heal, thrive and live authentically unapologetically as ourselves this is the way of the womb podcast
1: hey everybody welcome back to the way of the womb podcast today i have with me the lovely hayley who is in beautiful spain right now probably in a lot warmer climate than we are um it's actually it's spring equinox today this is probably being released a few months after we have recorded it so hopefully we're also getting sunshine in the UK here as well um yeah I've got Haley on we actually god have we ever actually met in person I don't think so I don't think so I've seen you but I don't yeah. think
2: we've ever spoken face to face yeah how funny I don't
1: think so so me and Haley are from the same hometown if you like a little Little village just outside Liverpool in the UK, and we connected a few months ago or a few weeks ago when we both realised that we were both doing birth work and speaking the same language. Although to a certain extent, but Hailey just speaks Spanish <laughs> now on um, for her hypnobirthing and birth work that you do. So I would love Hayley for you to introduce yourself, say hi, and let us know a little bit about you and what it is you do in the world.
2: Okay, well, my name's Hayley, and here I am in sunny Madrid. Um, and I'm a hypnobirthing instructor. Um, I trained uh, at the end of last year after having after the birth of my second daughter, which was just the most beautiful, empowering experience I could have had. And I just thought that I have to share this hypnobirthing um experience with so many other women, so that they can also have um, such a beautiful experience as well, so, um, that's my, that's my project now to, to share this with other people.
1: Yes, I love it, and I was saying, I always, before we started recording, I was saying about how I see Haley stuff on Instagram, and it just looks so much more like, oh, what's the word, like, luxurious, because it's in Spanish, I'm always like, oh, <laughs> what it. it's so good, <laughs> it's <laughs> so beautiful, um, and, yeah thank you for everything you're doing it's so important we need more people to be yeah more women to have the support to come into the awareness of all the things around And I love that you've come into this through the birth of your own babies
2: yeah That's
1: gorgeous and um, so we're gonna get started and today the podcast is going to be a little bit different than normal so we're actually like shifting places so Hayley is going to be kind of interviewing me on the podcast so I'm gonna pass the mic as it were <laughs> over to Haley, and yeah let you kind of lead the way from here thank you
2: okay thank you so yeah so the reason why we're doing this is because um when Beck and I first got in contact I had so many questions to ask her and I thought this just also all, all needs to be on a podcast more people need to hear this conversation so that's kind of the reason why I wanted to ask all, all these questions to you for for everyone else to hear your answers as well um so first of all uh, I'd like you to tell us how you got started in the birth world
1: so how I got started I've spoken about this a few times on different podcasts and I feel like it's not a quick answer to a question <laughs> there's also um yeah I've wrote a little podcast about this well, I've recorded the podcast about this as well previously if anyone's listened to it, I think it's called something like, it really triggered people actually, this name. It was called, How One Mental Health Crisis, 39 Countries and One Dead Parent Sparked My Doula Journey. And then people were like, you can't say that about a dead parent. I was like, they're my fucking parent. <laughs> <People> <laughs> really triggered. But, um, so that's a little bit about it on there, but I will absolutely share here. Thank you for asking. So, I'd, always as a child loved everything to do with pregnancy and birth and midwifery and my favorite program controversially was one born every minute which is a program Mm -hmm. that I recommend no one to watch it's absolute bullshit anyway was my favorite program and yeah I always just thought for years like oh I'm not clever enough to do that I'm not going to be able to do that You know, I can't, I hate school. How am I meant to go to university? I don't even want to go to uni. I don't like being told what to do, basically. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it was kind of like, it just didn't feel like that was the path for me. So I kind of was like, oh, well, I'm just not going to do it. And then I went off traveling. I was traveling for quite quite a few years. And along my travels, it was like all these different implantation seeds were coming and not all at once but it was like a very slow gathering of all of these different thoughts or ideas or yeah little snippets of things that come into my mind and it was always to do with pregnancy or birth it would always come in and I'd be like oh okay well remember we're not doing that anymore well remember we're not doing that anymore and it wasn't until I guess I had it until after I had a mental breakthrough or breakdown if you want to call it a few years ago when I was living in Australia and I was really struggling with my mental health and I think you know through lots of different things experienced in childhood but one of them being the death of my dad I'm feeling very yeah just going through a real kind of what we would call dark night of the soul I guess yeah in hitting them low points, it really started to, spark my journey of healing, and of self-awareness, and self-reflection, and self-growth, and really dove, dived, dove, (laughs) dove dived into, all the, the depths of healing myself, my, which of course, I'm still on that journey, as we all are, yeah, but like, that story with my mental health, that story with my connection to my body, and how disconnected I was from my body and myself and how scared I was to be connected to myself and yes through that journey I then was led to different parts world different places different you know spiritual practices and all of these different things that led me to India and in India I learned what a doula was and I said to my friend like always for years it's always come up like wanting to do midwifery training but I don't know it just doesn't feel like that's what I'm meant to do and she was like why don't you be a doula and I was like the fuck's one of them <laughs> said, that? and and I looked into it and was like felt this like deep resonance in my body of like oh my god there's a way for me to do this without doing all the things I also don't want to do yeah so it just felt like this opening and it was, yeah, so profound to have found that. And now I don't, as I said to you before, we started recording, don't resonate and call myself a doula anymore because um, I don't feel like that that is what I do in the birth space. I don't feel like I'm a doula, more of a birth keeper. And yeah, it was just so profound to me that when I went I did my doula training I had all of these beautiful synchronicities and beautiful things that happened around it that it felt like the world was shifting all of these things to bring me to this place to then go to my first birth and being in that first birth and just having this profound feeling of I've done this so many times before and it was like a remembrance in my bones. You know, like every cell in my body was just like, I remember, I remember this. And it also was so kind of jarring to me how similar it was to my dad's death and how similar it was to death and birth being the exact same portal, opposite ends of the portal and um yeah it really shifted everything and realized that actually I'd already been being a doula since my dad had died just hadn't been attending births yeah and um yeah and since I attended my first birth it was then just kind of like a upward trajectory of this shifting in all of these things around me to get me into the bathroom and it really felt like I was held and supported in that so there was lots of different things to to propel me into the work but I think I always would have got into this work no matter how the path would have looked yeah. um it took me a long time though from having as a child to then get into it yeah. um but yeah it was really beautiful and I love yeah thank you for asking that I really love reflecting on it and just being like yeah. oh my god it's so fucking cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's nice, isn't it, to look back and think how and um, realize how you did get to where you are today.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: I thought it was interesting you said that you don't identify with a doula anymore. In what ways do you think um in what ways for you is a doula different from a birthkeeper?
1: Yeah. So yeah, this is a funny question that I've been really contemplating the past few months. I feel like I absolutely loved my doula training it was incredible and I would recommend it to anyone wanting to step into the bathroom as we were just talking about before it was (laughs) conscious birthing and it was incredible I guess showing up and working as a doula and supporting women in the capacity I have been has allowed me to find my own pathway in the birth world find my own kind of niche as it were or who I feel comfortable supporting, who I not even feel comfortable supporting, but in what situations do I thrive in? I hold the best space in for women in which what women are being called to me, which women am I being drawn to, you know, because there is this reciprocal relationship where I think that the women that come to you, you have this kind of soul connection with, and it's like, no, we're meant to hold each other. Um, Yeah. You know, because it isn't just like, oh, this woman needs help, and you come in and hold. It's like, no, it's real sisterhood. And so I was like, okay, as I, yeah, got onto the path of doodering a little bit more or birth work, really finding that the women that I was supporting were first time mums free birthing women that were having what we'd call like a radical birth experience and women really wanting to step away from the system and reclaim their birth on their own terms so a lot of women having wild pregnancies as well and that really feeling congruent with me and how I can support them and it feeling a lot safer than attending a hospital bit. And it's absolutely not about me and me feeling safe or anything like that, of course. But just in this who, you know, we already know if we are in a relationship with anyone in our lives that we're not fully compatible with or not fully in the zone with, then there is gonna be, you know, a little bit of an opening for things to not go as smoothly as they potentially would otherwise. And so yeah, it just felt really good. And it wasn't even like a decision I made. It was just like every woman that was coming to me was like, I want a free birth. I want a wild pregnancy free birth. And I was just like, okay, cool. And I was just like, oh, no one's having hospital birth. No one's really inviting the midwives into the space and realized how comfortable I got in that space. Yeah. And how it just felt really, really normal. And so, then reflecting back on how a lot of doula's are trained, there was this sense of, you know, supporting a woman in whatever a woman in whatever choices she makes, and to not project your story or your bias onto that woman. What I was then seeing happening, not the experience I was having myself, but seeing happening with other birth workers and doulas around me, is that they were exposing themselves to vicarious trauma, witnessing women experiencing trauma because they'd made informed decisions to do certain things in their birth, which might not have been, you know, potentially the optimum physiological way of birth and which nature intended. Yeah. and there was a sense of this passiveness as a doula that it was like well that's her choice it's not your story take a step back and you know if that's her choice and that's what she wants to do then let her do that and which yes to a certain extent it is absolutely her choice and my projection my bias doesn't really matter it is up to her at the end of the day of course it is But there's a part of me that's like, you know, if I didn't speak up and say to one of these women in theory, if you choose this X, Y, and Z could happen, then am I also just being part of the system in which, you know, like allows women to experience this trauma. So it was part of being a doula that felt quite passive to me that I had to just sit back and let whatever happen happen and yeah. almost play a part in the unfolding of traumatic experiences. Whereas when I feel, feel or what I feel personally is the role of a birth keeper or birth worker is, it feels like beyond fucking the systemic things or the policies you've got to follow as a midwife or any of that this deeper sense of like you are a woman I'm a woman we are in this sisterhood we have both gone into this contract together I'm going to be fucking completely honest with you your body can do this and if you pick this then this is what might happen and I want you to really be aware of that yeah Um, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a biased doula I am absolutely biased we all have bias and for years I was like well for a year if not longer I was like I'm not a biased doula I'm not a biased doula everyone just do whatever you want but then not feeling like I was being authentic or true because none of us are non-biased we're fucking human you know exactly and yeah so now being radically honest about that and being like I will support you whatever you want yeah I want you to know that this is what could happen with your birth if you pick this if you still pick that then I will still support you but I'm calling you forward to take full fucking responsibility for that yeah not just to do it and hope that I'm gonna save you I'm not here to save you yeah and there's an element of I don't know, for me personally, I felt there was an element of invite me into your hospital birth as a dude, and I'll protect you. I can't protect that space. I can't protect that space. And women can't protect themselves in that space as much as we try. Yeah. Um, and that just did not sit right with me. Yeah. Me.
2: Why do you think people... um? Choose to have wild pregnancies? Then, ah, <sighs> hmm.
1: I think, so I think there's lots of different reasons. A lot of women choose in wild pregnancy because they've had previous experiences of trauma, normally including the medical model, and for you know we know the more appointments we have the more scans we have the more tests we have the more likely it is that we find something that the medical world will want to fix yeah or feel like it's broken within our bodies and so the more we in my opinion the more we expose ourselves to the medical world the more likely it is that we are going to experience intervention during our birth and women are fucking sick of being told that their bodies are broken we are sick of being told that our bodies are not capable that we are not worthy that birth is inherently dangerous when we come from a lineage of thousands of women that birth their babies through their fucking vaginas and birth is not broken women are not broken the system isn't even broken, it's fucking designed the way it's designed purposely. Because if every single woman knew their power, felt embodied, felt connected to their body, to their baby, inherently knew that their body was capable of birth, knew their value and their worth, every single fucking corporation that we had would crumble. There would be no diet culture, no cosmetic industry, no fucking plastic surgery shit the maternity model this projection that women aren't capable wouldn't crumble and all of these things that make the most money in the world some of the most money in the world that uphold patriarchy wouldn't even fucking function so when we choose when a woman chooses a wild pregnancy and absolutely it's not for everybody i believe it can be for everybody if they have the right support around them Yeah. But
3: I, you know, that's not the case. And
1: yeah, but I believe that when women choose a wild pregnancy, they're actually standing up for every single woman before them that has been told, that has been oppressed, that has been suppressed in their power, that has been told, no, you can't, no, you're not allowed to. Because this is the one thing women have, this is yeah. the one thing women have that men cannot yeah. take, but they're trying to, and I say men, I know patriarchy doesn't equal men, but there's a lot of people in white coats that are at the top of the line that are male. Yeah. And when we choose wild pregnancy, we reclaim part of that that cannot be taken from us. So yeah. I feel like it is a radical reclamation of the feminine for every woman before us and every child to come after
2: yeah how beautiful mm. <laughs> yeah me really passionate when i talk about it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah definitely it's our superpower isn't it absolutely. that no one can um can take away from us um as much as they are trying to absolutely um what changes have you seen since you started working and how do you think it will continue to change in the future?
1: Oh good question I mean (laughs) you know I haven't been doing it for 10-20 years I'm sure there's been such a change that birth workers have seen in that time and it's it's quite difficult to say because I feel like I am in an echo chamber as well of you know people around me that are supporting radical birth and which let's just put out there as well the word radical is not rebellious radical means roots and origins so women are going back to the roots of origins of what it means our physiology our biology physiological birth so when women are choosing physiologic birth and or radical birth now that we see women birthing autonomously as radical, which is wild.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we, yeah, I'm surrounded by that. I'm surrounded by women wanting that. I'm surrounded by women supporting that because that is the community that I'm in. Um, but I do know that on a larger scale, especially through all the COVID shit that was happening, that women we started to ask questions and were like no something doesn't feel right why isn't my partner allowed in this doesn't that's in which is completely fucking inhumane into yeah. hospitals I mean and women just go in. well no I'm not doing that I'm not doing that and I feel like we're being called forward to step into their power, their responsibility in other circumstances where they potentially may have been more passive because they were just gone with the flow or gone along with things. So I've seen definitely seen a massive increase in home birth. And through that, people learning about birthing at home because people don't when they're going to birth in the hospital, a lot of people don't feel like they need to learn because they're like, oh well, I just go in and everyone tells me what to do. Yeah story that we've been given
2: yeah they want to be told what to do don't they
1: absolutely you know this false illusion of safety mm, yeah just tell me and support me and hold me which you know again has been given to us and conditioned into us on a fucking deep deep level yeah yeah women were going okay well my partner's not allowed in i'm gonna birth at home but birthing at home is actually quite scary so i'm gonna learn about birth then learning about birth and being like hold on everything I've known about birth is wrong my body is capable do I even need a midwife is even a midwife available so I've worked with women that have gone from planned hospital births or wanting a cesarean to having a free birth without anyone there but them and their partner yeah In the space of months you know pregnancies what 10 not 10 moons And, you know, just knowing that when we learn about birth and start to cultivate that relationship and trust with ourselves, within months we can see a shift, we can see a change. And so, yeah, there's definitely been a shift, there's been a rise in women reclaiming their birth stories and their autonomous birth that they, so many women dream of, but don't think they're capable of achieving. So there has yeah. been a huge shift shift in that. And that starts ripple effects. You know, one woman has that birth and she goes and tells her friend. Her friend then goes tell someone at the gym. They go tell their partners. They then go, oh, she shared her birth video. Let's watch it. And then we start going, Oh, people can birth at home. Well, maybe I'll birth at home. And we start asking these questions. And that's the power of women is the fact that we do speak. We do communicate, we do connect. And that is the magic of starting these ripple effects that has the power to change the paradigm of birth. Every time someone births at home, every time someone chooses the birth that they want in their own power and takes responsibility for that, we reclaim part of that back as a collective individually that starts the ripples within our communities yeah there has been a change and I believe this change is has been very confronting for a lot of the systems in place in which do not support this so for example the last few weeks and when you have a free birth I don't know if you I don't know what it's like in Spain if you have a free birth in the UK um, if a midwife doesn't attend to you within six hours of your baby being born then you legally have to self-notify your birth if you see a midwife within six hours they will notify the birth for you and the birth right. notification generates an NHS number and it also like kind of starts the process of health visit checks and all of that stuff. Mm. If, when you self notify, you have to go directly to the Child Health Information Services and be like, "Hey, I've had a baby. These are the inf- this is the details." Yeah, they they then get a reply hopefully, and then go, "Yep, cool. Here's your NHS number. Congratulations on your baby." You then go about your day. This is not the situation that's been happening in the last few weeks. Child Health Information Services are making it very, very, very difficult for. Um, women to self-notify which is their legal obligation to do and saying only a midwife or healthcare professional can self-notify however in saying that only a midwife can self-notify is not only untrue by legislation and the notifications of birth act 1907 it's also coercing women to have Mm -hmm. A midwife or an NHS professional or someone attends their birth within six hours. Yeah. Though it's their legal right to say, I don't want anyone there. Why would I want a stranger walking into my birth space after I've just done the most vulnerable, powerful, exhausting thing in my whole life? I yeah. don't want a stranger walking and asking me questions like, no thanks. Yeah. I want to- Get naked, have my boobs out, eat yummy food, and connect with my new baby in this my beautiful love bubble. And yeah. so, there's a lot of things happen at the moment where the services NHS are questioning things, don't really know what to do. No one really knows what's legal, what's not legal. Child Health Information Services are saying like, no, we can't do that, even though they can. Some some are doing it in some areas, some are not doing it. So, there's this real kind of pushback, and a lot of child service calls are being made for previous social services. Yeah. Are being made um, even though women are just trying to fulfill their legal duty and choose the birth that they're legally allowed to have. Yeah, um, but this is causing uproar because it's different. It's not the norm. you know, we're not going into hospital and having all of these things. So there's been pushback. But what I am seeing is that actually they think that they are stopping women, but actually what they're doing is planting seeds, deeper seeds than all of the yeah. shit with COVID. And women are saying, nah, okay, yeah. well, you know, this is, you fight about amongst this amount, about, like amongst yourselves. I'm yeah. going to give birth how I want because I fucking can. Yeah. And it's powerful, Unless, and beautiful, but frustrating.
2: Am I right in thinking that this is the same as registering the baby? Or are so, these completely different things?
1: Yeah, no. so these are completely different things. So the notification of the birth is a legal obligation you have to do in the UK to basically say, okay, I've had a baby. Registering right. the birth is something different that you have to then do. Is that a legal requirement as well? people think it is but it's actually not a legal requirement so you google this it will tell you it's a legal requirement it's not legal requirement to register the birth of your baby um it's a rare thing to not register the birth of your baby because essentially signing your baby what's how some people see it and I don't know the intricacies of registering the birth to be honest Mm -hmm. but um You know, a lot of people say in registering the birth, you are signing yourself over to be a part of the system in which you lose a lot of rights when you register your birth. So I know people that have not, that have notified their birth or gone fine, but not not registered, but are still able to get income support, passports, so one of the things of course you have to register because otherwise you're not going to get any support when your baby's born you won't be able to get a passport you can right okay so um yeah it's a again a rare one that not a lot of people know about so you might go in to register your birth or you might go in to apply for a passport and they go where's the birth certificate which is what you get when you register a birth and you're like I don't Mm. have one because I haven't registered my birth and then they're like oh my god I don't know what to do with this like we don't really have that so again you have to unfortunately know what you're doing um to be able to support yourself through that yeah Um, because you're coming up against a lot of people that think they know the ins and outs and everything but because it's so what because it's quite rare it's not the norm what you're doing not Every registrar knows about it, so um, person that works at the registry office every knows about it. So yeah, it is different. People think that it's the same, but yeah, it's different.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um. So, what do you enjoy the most, and also the least about your job?
1: Ooh, good question. I love these questions. Um, <laughs> what do I enjoy the most? Oh, nothing beats that moment where a mum meets her baby, there is nothing like it. There is nothing like it. Um, And witnessing the fathers in it as well. You know, if someone has their partner present or if their partner is kind of in their life at that time when they have their baby, there is nothing like watching a woman literally pulling quantum energy into physical reality in front of us. You're watching two souls split or one soul split into two or two bodies, one body split into two. And that energetic level of that in the complete silence and just the oxytocin filled. Oh, it gives me, it gives me shivers. (laughs) Oxytocin, oh, just the thickness of the oxytocin in the room. It's like you can swim in it.
2: Yeah, for you as well.
1: Uh, absolutely absolutely and it's just there is nothing like it in the world it's like literally time will stand still and it's in the moments where you're like oh this is what life's about it's these moments that are actually all there is um so yeah and you know witnessing a mother journey throughout her labor and walk through fire to collect her baby to then you know, turn around to her partner or to you and say like, "I did it!" Oh my god, I did it! It's gonna make me cry. <laughs> it's just like incredible. It's it, there's just I'll never, I will never, yeah, come
2: never to get me, bored of
1: it. Never get bored to it, and never be like, "Oh, it's just another birth." It's every single time there is like this. Fuck! It's so profound and so. Normal <laughs> in the like, it's a fucking miracle, but so normal. It's like, well, of course, you can birth to a baby, obviously. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, every time. So, that is definitely the best part that just, yeah. Oh, I just love it. I'm on call for a birth at the moment. It's like an imminent birth as well. So, I'm just like, oh, I know I'm going to be in that soon. Yeah. Oh. This one will be mine, which is very exciting. Oh. Um,
2: what's the best birth you've ever attended? Oh, I couldn't. If you like that word, by the way, attended, because I think that sounds quite medical.
1: It does sound quite medical. Um, yeah, attended. I don't know if
2: you you usually use another word.
1: So I witnessed, witnessed, yeah. Supported, yeah. I do say attended sometimes um but yeah it's quite a medical word actually now you say that but yeah I do feel like I am in attendance to witness the power of a woman you know that's what I'm there for like if anyone actually videoed me what I did at a birth they would be like she's doing fuck all (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that's good that's what I want to be doing that's when I'm doing my job the best yeah Um, and I can't remember what your question was oh you took what the worst part of the job is I did ask you that yeah
3: Mm, the worst part.
2: It's- I think you've answered it already. Now talking about the system and
1: yeah, I think it's difficult when because the mamas I work with that they're, they're not clients, they're not yeah, like I fall in love with them. I love them do you know what I mean it's like yeah there's a real deep connection there that I feel to every single one different
3: ways and
1: I when they come up against you know question from family or projection from people or say if they have been interacting within the system and they're then told you can't do this, you can't do that. That's very frustrating. And it's really, yeah. You know, of course it's not my story. And there is an element of, okay, well, you have to have a boundary up to protect yourself from, you know, being like, this isn't my story. That's what's happening for them. And you've got to support them through it. And absolutely, of course, I'm going to get emotional about it. Like I love these women. I want them to have the most beautiful experience they can. Yeah. So, I I don't like that bit. Also, when I've been on call for a very long period of time, without any breaks, so like seven, eight months,
3: struggle
1: mm. with that. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, there's definitely been like a. Um, I wouldn't say I, like I hate it but sometimes it's definitely difficult because you know having to stay within a certain distance of your house having to have your phone on constantly yeah um kind of being in that I'm always ready to go at any point yeah. um that
2: emotional attachment to them as well
1: absolutely so sometimes it can be difficult if i haven't been creating space for myself to or taking care of myself as best i could yeah and um because there's always this kind of thing when you're on call as well of you're walking with a woman so you are experiencing I feel on an energetic level some of the things that she is also experiencing you're walking between the worlds with her and waiting in that liminal space which means that you can't make all of these plans you can't go on holiday you can't do this stuff just like she can't and she won't be doing so you're very much in that without having the physical experience. Apart from yeah. at the moment I'm on call and also having the physical experience <laughs> journeying towards my own portal whilst being in another mother's. So yeah, yeah. It feels like portal is a lot wider and deeper. But um yeah, it's very interesting. It can be. Yeah, it c- it can emotionally immensely ask a lot of you being on call, especially if it's for long, long periods of time. All together, yes. and you're having like one birth after another. Yeah. How long are you usually on call for? So normally go on call. Already? So I normally go on call about ten or ten days or two weeks before the mother is at forty weeks. Mm-hmm. So um we'll get her forty week, you know, date that she's given or has calculated herself. Yeah. And then we'll go. 10 days or two weeks before that um and I'll be on call 24 7 until baby comes so and that's normally 41 42 weeks um on average um yeah and then sometimes I've been on call up to 44 weeks before so it's been wow. a big six six week chunk <laughs> uh, yeah yeah
2: Lovely. Um- so how, um, you just mentioned your own pregnancy then, how um, how is your own pregnancy affecting your work? Hmm.
1: Do you know what? And it's like I said to you before we started recording, what I have found really challenging actually is people speaking to me like, I'm still a birth keeper every day, so people not being very, I not say, not being as mindful as they would be if I was just a first time pregnant mother. And I mean other birth workers as well, absolutely. And, you know, it's not that it's anyone's fault. It's kind of, you know, and I have communicated this now to these beautiful people around me. Um, but this kind of sense of Oh, well, you know everything. Not I don't know everything about birth, but like the sense of you know everything about birth, or you know all of these things, you know the logical answers. So just you know, you don't need the reassurance and you don't need the kind of validation of your experience, your fears. And you know, you should be able to bat your fears away straight away because you know the statistics, you know the truth, you've seen birth so many times, you know it. And I don't feel like I have had access to wearing that hat my birthkeeper keeper hat as it were at all times and actually I've just been struggling to hold the stories of trauma and abuse that happen in the birth world in the same capacity that I do normally very sensitive to things and I don't feel like that that's something that's been that's considered and I felt definitely at times felt quite lonely in my pregnancy. Because I don't feel like I'm receiving that support and holding, which ironically, I feel like yeah. I can provide for women when they're pregnant. Yeah. I don't have access to providing that for myself in some cases. Of course, I have the self soothing things that I do and things to nourish myself. And logically, I know. Yeah. But it's also like needing that external support of another sister, which, you know, I don't think anyone's meant to journey pregnancy alone, no matter how much you know about birth.
3: Yeah. And at the
1: yeah. Moment, yeah, I'm on call and I can absolutely have my. I've attended a few births since I've been pregnant and I can absolutely switch between having my birth keeper hat on and mother hat. Yeah. When I'm not in the birth space. All my hat is is mother. First, yeah. mother being like, oh my God, is this okay? Oh my God, is this normal? And then I'm like, oh no, wait, it is. And then I'm like, do I need support? Do I need to speak to someone about this to hold this with me? Uh-huh. So, that was something really interesting that I haven't considered would come up and um, I thought I'd just be able to be like yeah I can reassure, sure I can do it on myself I can be a birth keeper for myself when actually that's not how it's meant to be yeah either like one of us needs holding you know exactly just like exactly. I was saying to my partner about this and he was like well you know you wouldn't have a professional brain surgeon that need brain surgery <laughs> you know? sorted himself out with his yeah, own brain I, I was just that. like oh yeah <laughs> and it made so much yeah. sense you know just do that like logical masculine thing to be like what are you talking about it's so normal and I was like oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so, so um, will you have you will you have a birth keeper as well then so yeah me and my partner in conversation still kind of because we didn't know where we were going to birth and where we were going to be living we knew mm-hmm. we wanted to support and I knew I wanted to support post-natally also support potentially from the birth space if I wanted it
3: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: and but not know where we were going to be so who we who we'd kind of have access to or who I could reach out to to see if they were available and but now we've found a place we've got um a birth keeper that can come if we want her to I can still only see me and Connor my partner in the space at the moment but um potentially a birthkeeper we can call upon. There's also there's a few women actually that have just said I'm gonna be on call, a few other birthkeepers that I'm close to yeah. that attended their births as well, or friends that are birth, like dear friends that are birthkeepers that have just been like, I'm on call if you need me. So that's beautiful. And um yeah, yeah we've just found a postnatal birthkeeper as well. And yeah, which is so, so beautiful. So it's really exciting. So I don't know. I'm just gonna be like see how I feel in it if I need yeah. someone or feel like I need that extra feminine in the space because although my partner can definitely tap into that and hold space incredibly well, I feel like having a woman in the space is different. Mm. So definitely. I want that option definitely. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um this is a question that I ask everyone who does um the hip and birthing course with me. How do you envision your birth? What kind of things do you want to have and how would you like how would you like it to be and how do you want to feel when you give birth
1: oh see interesting I haven't been asked this question really yeah because probably because I'm a birth worker and everyone I to speak to it, it's kind of like overall exactly. I think a lot of people already probably know my birth plan <laughs> without <laughs> having to ask me um, <laughs> but yeah so for a really long time I envisioned it in a year and I couldn't see anything different and we (laughs) had an option of birthing in a year that's really what we wanted in case we wanted to that I really wanted to be close to the earth and and to feel like the elements close so the option of birthing a year or birthing inside our new place um I keep swinging between seeing myself in water and then not seeing myself in water. Um, but this pregnancy has felt very watery. It felt very drawn to water. So mm. potentially a water birth. I'm really seeing, I really want to have a beautiful old space and not feeling like I'm going to have music in the space. Got my pink Himalayan salt lamp. That's all I can see. I like, first thing I was like, well, I'm going to have my salt lamp. <laughs> Don't know why <laughs> it's like, the one thing I keep thinking of and yeah I just really want it to be I want to feel it all yeah I want to really feel and embody every single thing that my body is doing without distraction so I imagine it being like time on my own with my partner but not too much communication. I I love touch anyway it's one of my love languages so I know that I'm gonna like touch my back (laughs) or whatever yeah he's gonna be fucking knackered um (laughs) so yeah really imagining that and yeah really wanting to do a birth pause when baby's born as well and just have that kind of like moment to come back in to ourselves yeah we meet baby and then obviously finds out what we're having after a little bit of time as well and just I'm really open to it being however it needs to be and really trusting that my baby's going to come in the way it needs to come um because I've too been having because I've, I've been having a wild pregnancy as well it's like oh and what position they're in oh I wonder how they're going to come and all of the things I know we can never guarantee that anyway, even if we've had all of the different things and yeah, yeah, I just really feel like it's going to be well, I already know, of course it's an initiation within itself, but because of the work I do, I already know that my pregnancy has been a very big initiation emotionally and of like purging of stories and trauma type thing I guess I feel like I'm clearing out before the birth yeah but I feel like the birth is going to be a breakthrough of that and I'm prepared for the magnitude of that as well well prepared as just prepared as you can be yeah I'm aware that that could be my story um so just yeah really wanted to be and allow myself to be supported
3: yeah and yeah
1: yeah that's what I've got mm. so far. No idea what I'm going to do on my placenta. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I've got this real, like, always wanted to eat it, always wanted to do smoothies. Mm. It was always like, yep, smoothies, definitely. Can't wait to have a baby to have smoothies. As soon as I got pregnant, was like, we can't do anything. We can't eat it. My partner was, like, gutted. He was like, well, why? Like, I, I wanted to try some. Can I eat it? I was like, no, you can't eat it I can't. <laughs> no one <longer>. can. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like it's meant to stay whole. And it's such, yeah. I feel quite sad about it actually, because amazing that my body, my baby's communicated that to me. But also, like, because it's something I've always been excited to do. Yeah. And it feels so primal that now, because it's such a strong feeling to not, I'm like, oh, that's a bit sad.
3: Yeah.
1: But yeah. also, like, honoring that. For sure, so yeah, we're kind of preparing for all the different options for placenta burial in, in case I want to eat it. So just having everything ready. Yeah. Exactly. You
2: might change your mind. Exactly. In the same way that you changed your mind when you when you got pregnant, you might change your mind when you see it and you hold it. And
1: exactly. uh, Exactly. So I'm just preparing for all of the scenarios in case like. (laughs) actually I'm starving give me give me a chunk of this yeah <laughs> get me some toast with some placenta <sighs> are you gonna have a lotus bear maybe maybe because I feel like I mean I know every pregnancy is different but I feel like if I'm gonna have a lotus bear it's potentially easy with your first pregnancy because you don't have small children around so mm. it's it a little bit easier to handle yeah um, so maybe we are preparing for a lotus birth, preparing for encapsulation, even though I really don't like tablets, but who knows, Prepare yeah. for all of it. So yeah. so we can decide. But I do like the idea of a lotus birth, but I think maybe there's something about a lotus birth as well that's just not really sitting right with me at the moment that almost feels like I'm just letting it decay. Yeah and it's almost like letting it yeah i don't know because and then i question why i'm resistant to that because it is the end of the placenta's life and it makes me question if there's a resistance to the death of the placenta um yeah. that I'm experiencing that i'm resistant to um but i like the idea of doing like a semi lotus birth for like a day and mm. then burning the cord and... Mm so yeah we'll see I feel like I'll just know I feel like the baby will tell me what it needs and what to yeah
2: do. yeah yeah do what feels right yeah um okay so my last question is um can you tell us one small thing that everyone can do in order to have a better birth
3: oh that's a good one um mm.
1: listen to yourself first and not the stories that your mind tells you about birth because these are stories projections potentially potentially other people's stories or previous experiences or traumas but getting the support of of someone that's going to support you to be able to hear your true voice not the voice that your mind tells you or yeah really getting support to start that journey and actually i believe we begin preparing for pregnancy before we've even thought of conceiving through beginning the journey of healing ourselves is how we can begin to prepare to have an empowered birth, in whatever form that takes yeah so yeah definitely beginning to listen to your own voice and honoring it as well is one of the biggest things
2: yeah instinct is so um that instinct and intuition isn't it is so important when um when you're given birth it's uh, definitely important to listen to to these things
1: so important so important yeah thank you so much for asking me all the questions <laughs> oh, it's so funny to be interviewed on your own podcast yeah
2: you've taught me so much honestly um just in how long we've been talking almost an hour but I've just learned so much from listening to you so thank you it's
3: been You're
1: incredible Welcome. thank you for coming on and next time we're gonna do a not more normal podcast where I will be interviewing you and want to hear all the things about hitting a birth and why it's supportive for women but um yeah until then thank you so much for asking me other questions if anyone um has any other questions in regards to this please message me on instagram at Beck Wallace birthkeeper. and Haley, i would love for you to share where people can find you on instagram or what you have an offer we've got a website or yeah where can people find you
2: yeah, so I'm only on Instagram and Facebook at the minute. I'm Parto Seren uh, on Facebook. I'm Parto Seren Madrid in um, on Instagram, um, and I'm currently offering individual and group courses for hypnobirthing, both in English and Spanish, um, in person if you're in Madrid and online if you are anywhere else, or if you happen to be in Madrid and you prefer online as well.
1: Amazing! Thank you so much, and yeah, we will chat soon.
2: Okay, thanks, Beck.
0: Have a lovely day. Mm-hmm. See you later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Way of the Womb podcast. If this episode resonated with you and if you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share this on your social media. Tag me at Beck Wallace, Birthkeeper, and drop me a message. Let me know how you found it. And if you feel called, please feel free to leave a review. It just helps other people to find the podcast so that we can build community and gather together. Thanks so much. Sending all the love.